This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, hockey fans? It's Wednesday, which means you got a new Golden Edge podcast coming at you. The podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal beat writers, including myself, Ben Goats, talk about hockey. I'm here with David Shane and Adam Hill. The band is back together, and we got a great show for you before we get started. Just a quick reminder that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by or sponsored by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos and presented by Harry's Razors. They're both really great. But you know who else is really great, guys? Marc-Andre Fleury last night, we just watched him put together a spectacular performance in his first game back uh, from his father passing away. He almost had the shutout. It was ruined uh, twenty second with 27 seconds left in the game by a Blackhawks player. But other than that, I think that was pretty much vintage Marc-Andre Fleury last night. Dave, would you agree? A hundred percent. Like, I mean, I don't want to like make into something that it's not, but... This is his first game back. He got like just a twinge of emotion in in the press conference last night, and I like I don't. It, it's almost one of those things like I you look back on it, and yeah, okay, it's the middle of December, and he kind of tried to downplay it. It's two points, but that's a game he's going to remember forever. And I know he won that shutout, like when that puck went in, and he turned and he he wanted to smash his stick, like you could see it. And he kind of half swung and then realized, like, no, nah, I can't. I can't. Not but, tonight. <laughs> you know, but still, to, to come out 28 saves, you know, win 5-1. I mean, I, I know I'm sure behind closed doors, once he got home and, you know, was able to soak it in for a second, it, it hit him pretty hard, I would imagine. And I think it's one of the one of those things like you you mentioned. He wanted to show that he wanted to really like react and just be like, ah, I can't believe it. But but he realized, oh, that would be like kind of celebrating an individual achievement, kind of thing. like that. I think that he kind of thought better of that or whatever. But it was pretty clear how important that was to the team, not just to him, because I'm sure he would have loved to have it. But it's I felt like it was one of those things. It's a media narrative, like. Oh, he, you know, he comes back from the death of his father. He gets to shut out. And that's something that we were thinking of. And we were obviously discussing and talking about. But it was pretty clear, like, afterwards, you're going to go ask the players about it. And, hey, did you want to have that shutout? You didn't even have to ask. Like, uh, right away, Riley Smith was like, we we were fighting and, and scraping and clawing to try to get that shutout for him. That's what we wanted. Like, the other players wanted it for him. William Carlson said the same thing. 
it, it wasn't. It's not just the the stat or the individual achievement. It's the more of the memory. And and all of those guys were talking about. We really wanted that for him. So there is kind of a hockey thing, like the money on the board thing, where you know certain games players will kind of write a number up. You know, basically kind of put. You know, all right, I'll donate. You know, X amount of money. We you know, let's go win this game. I'm sure there was some. I, I would imagine. Even incentives, if, yeah, or even if not, just just that notion of kind of look, we're winning this game for Flurry, yeah. and once it got you know close, I'm sure it was we're getting this shut out. And the fact that they didn't, I'm sure that was a disappointment. You know, that was the I think what what Flurry wanted more than anything. Just you know, I think he I think he wanted to be able to have that memory. You know, in the first game after his father passed away, to be quite honest. Yeah, and it's hard to blame him. I mean, that would have been, like Adam mentioned, an incredible story. But Chandler Stevens takes a penalty late in the game. And then I believe it was Kubalak who got the uh, lone goal for the Chicago Blackhawks. No sense of drama. No sense of drama. Send it wide, dude. Come on. No sense of tact. Uh, He was left fairly open, uh, kind of in the high slot. There's about three bodies in front of Flurry too, so he got beat clean, but it's likely that he didn't see the shot. You know, pretty unfortunate for the Knights to have that break go against you, but still a 5-1 win uh, over the Chicago Blackhawks. So nothing to sniff at if you're the team right now. They continue to kind of plod along, I think is the fair way to put it. 5-1 win after getting blown out 5 nothing. At home against the New York Rangers on Sunday. That's the other. That was the other. You know, ruining the. You know, the, the symmetry. Symmetrical. Yeah, there was a two-game homestand. You lose five nothing. You win five nothing. Like everything was going the right way until twenty-seven seconds were left in the game. The disaster. Yeah, and before that, the only other game uh, they had this past week was they lost in overtime to the New York Islanders, who are one of the best and hottest teams in hockey. So getting a point on the road against them is you know no big shame. But like I said, the Knights just continue to kind of ride this up and down wave. They're now heading out on the road where they're going to play the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues on Thursday and the Dallas Stars, who uh, have a new coach, so that's interesting, uh, on Friday. Are these measuring stick games, do you think, for this team, Dave? Does they need a measuring stick at this point of the season since we're still, I guess now it's early December. I was about to say November. I don't know what time it is. It's in the <laughs> I mean, I guess they are if you look at it like that. But I also think the Islanders game was in a sense. So, I mean, every time you play a good team, you're kind of, you know, at this point, it's a measuring stick. I mean, I don't know. I I fall into that trap a little bit, too. And yet, as I'm talking about this, I kind of want to slap myself on the wrist and, and not, you know, not think about it like that anymore. But the reality is they've been playing better, especially recently. You know, Rangers are a young team. I'm I'm thinking back on the road trip. You know, the Devils are kind of a mess. Obviously, you know, they fired their coach right before that game. Uh, you do not want to be a coach on the hot seat and play the Golden Knights. Just a hot yeah, tip. Clearly. <laughs> Three out of the four uh, head coaching firings so far have happened in the week where the Golden Knights are on the schedule for uh, a team. Right. And then so just to go back to my... The Islanders game, I said, I think since we've last talked, you know, they, they played that game. And, I, you know, the Islanders outplayed them for the most part in that game. And they were able to get a point, like you said. So in, in the measuring stick sense, yeah, you're going to go in and you're going to play two really good teams. Let, let's see where you're at now. Are you still playing, you know, good hockey? Can you do the things, you know, in the defensive zone that you've been able to do the last six, seven games since those, you know, quote unquote tweaks? Um, were made and, and all that sort of stuff. Does it work against a good team? 
You know, can you go on the road, limit shots, you know, steal a game, steal a point, do whatever you have to do? Because going forward, they're going to have to start winning these types of games. They're, you know, they're not in a hole. They didn't put themselves behind the eight ball per se, but they got to catch up a little bit here. You know, so some of these games like this that maybe at the start of the, of the year you penciled in and you kind of looked like you went, eh, that's tough. You know, maybe you get one or two points. You know, now you have to start looking at some of these and go, you know, you have to win at least one of these games. You have to get two or four. You have to try to get three or four, maybe sweep. You know, you're those are the types of things they're going to have to start doing. You know, I look ahead that Vancouver-San Jose trip, you know, the week after. That's another one where you start to look at it and you're like, okay, Vancouver's right there, you know, for a playoff spot. That's like a four-point game, basically, in that sense. Same thing with San Jose. So these these types of trips, these this cluster of games that they have going on right now, yeah, they all become important in that sense, and they're all measuring sticks. Yeah, Vancouver is uh, right on the Golden Knights' heels in the standings right now. The Knights hold the second wild card spot, so the last playoff spot in the Western Conference as we're talking Wednesday morning, but... The Canucks are just three points behind them with two games in hand. Um, and Adam, I'm curious to follow up on what Dave said. Just It feels like the Knights have just never gotten on a roll this year. They had one four-game winning streak that turned into a five-game point streak out in New York, 4-0-1. But other than that, they just haven't strung together consistent efforts so far this season. I mean, is that kind of what you're seeing is what's plaguing this yeah, team too? Yeah, and I think, you know, going to, going to what Dave said about, you know, you don't want to start you know, you want to look at these games, not as must wins, but you want to start getting these points. You need to start building them and stacking them up and, and stacking up, you know, positive results uh, as you, you know, continue to, you know, move toward the middle of the season. And then, uh, you know, how important the games become down the stretch. But I think more than the the results necessarily, it's that you want to find that consistency in your game. And I feel like they're they're starting to do that. I think some of the guys have been talking about that more of of being consistent. And then the other thing is not letting what happened in getting blown out, you know, 5 nothing as the Rangers kind of linger. And then early in the year, I felt like a couple of those losses lingered for a few days. And in this case, it was like, okay, that happened. Let's not, let's not let this derail what has been a positive stretch of hockey. Let's just bounce back and get the game the next one. And, and I think they were able to do that. And, and, you know, there's other factors. Like, you know, obviously the fact that Flurry came back, I think they were really rallying around that. So it was an emotional boost. But you want to just find – Consistency more than hey, we really want to go out and w- there and win this game and and t- and you know uh, make this a, a great spot for us. It's going to be finding consistent efforts, and I think they they are starting to do that. So I, I think there there's been there's been some encouragement uh, around the team, and and you talk to some of the guys, and they just feel like their game is better right now than it was. And I I think at this point of the season, that's that's more important than even necessarily putting together a winning streak. It's just stretches of consistent hockey. No, I think that's definitely true, and a big reason for that for the Knights right now is that defensive zone switch that they did seven games ago when we talked about it a little last week but I think it's worth reemphasizing just how much it seems to have helped them and clarified things for the most part for them in the defensive zone guys aren't chasing opposing players around as much anymore I mean Derek England has talked about how you feel fresher because he's you know got 37 year old legs and he doesn't have to chase a guy all the way around he can pack it into the middle of the ice and then kind of save his energy on the offensive end, which is why we saw Derek Anlund go like top shelf yesterday on Corey Crawford. That was a thing that happened in the 2019. Derek McDavid. It, it was, was impressive. 
I mean, more like Derek Norris. I mean, no, but he, it was just after he, and, and I know, uh, uh, you know, one of our, our friends in the media tweeted it last night, but I, I just met, he, he was trying to make like some, some slick moves in the, in the neutral zone, trying to, uh, you know, trying to really show off some puck handling a little bit, like just before scoring a goal. Like he was, he was definitely making an effort there, uh, for a couple of minutes to be, uh, offensively involved, which, you know, I'm sure it's good to see for everyone. Not expected, uh, and certainly his first goal of the year, uh, first goal since March uh, for Derek England. But you know, good for him to get out there and uh, put together some some solid offensive possessions. Yeah, I was looking late in the third period of that Blackhawks game. The Knights are up five nothing, and Derek England is practically at the goal line, like trying to fire centering passes to William Carlson. Just an incredible flex by Derek, who has played really, really well, actually. He's feeling himself a little bit. He is. Hey, good for him. He was a healthy scratch earlier in the year. This new uh, tweak, as Jorg Lant likes to term it, has really helped his game. It seems like he's got more energy, as he talked about yesterday. But just overall, as a team, Dave, it just seems like that switch has just kind of been a little bit of a turning point for them, especially on defense. Yeah, I think it solidified all of it, just up and down, you know, all three pairs. I mean, I think... Nate Schmidt and Braden McNabb have kind of been the shutdown pair all along. But what I think it's really done is made Nick Haig more comfortable. That in turn has made Shea Theodore, you know, I mean, we talk about Derek England. I thought Shea Theodore was phenomenal last night, both in the offensive zone, jumping into the plays, and then kind of even covering up a little bit for Nick Haig in in the defensive zone. But it's just, it's one of those things that it filters down through everybody. It's made everybody more comfortable. Yeah, it's helped Derek England, but it just seems like everyone is more comfortable. Everyone is buying into that idea of make it hard for other teams to get to that quote, good ice, you know, and get those shots off from the areas that they were getting off from a lot before. I mean, that's just, that's just facts. I mean, you look at heat maps and, all that other sort of stuff that that shows where shots come from. I mean, the, especially on the road trip, it was so interesting to see Malcolm Subban not having to, you know, slide across the crease a lot. It, everything was from distance, you know, almost every, unless it was coming from an odd man rush or something like that. And, you know, one of the things I even asked Marc-Andre Fleury was, how does the system change, you know, in front of you? How is it different for you? Do you see shots from from different spots and what have you? You know, and he said, yeah. He said he played it before in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, there's an adjustment because you're seeing, you know, things from the perimeter, and that's what the Knights want. That's where they want to push teams and push the puck. And, you know, I mean, if if they're not a team that's built on speed, if they're not a team that's, like you said, built to chase other teams around in the zone, hey, Recognize it, make the change, you know, and and suit your talent. That that's kind of what coaching and and you know, I guess evaluation is all about in that regard. Yeah. And we're gonna talk actually a little bit more about coaching after a brief message. Hey, are you looking for a great gift for someone in your life? I mean, most of the time us guys get pretty cliche gifts for Christmas, like socks, wallets, ties. I got a lot of ties. But Harry's is a gift that's both thoughtful and practical. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. I mean, it's a perfect gift idea for guys. Holiday sets start at just $20, which is within Secret Santa limits, and 
Harry's Blade refills are as low as $2 each. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box, and your gift gives back. 1% of each sale is donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of this show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle, a five-blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, and it's packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. Well, Dave just paid uh, Gerard Land a very high compliment after or before the break, talking about how he's kind of put, I think, his ego aside a little bit to change up his defensive zone scheme. And I think it's interesting to consider Glant's methods, especially in light of uh, all that's going around the NHL right now. Uh, like we've kind of briefly touched on earlier, Dallas Stars fired their coach this week. There's been a lot of talk about coaching because the NHL has now released a basically code of conduct for coaches after a bunch of allegations of abuse from former coaches like uh, Bill Peters, who was fired or stepped down. I should say he resigned from the Calgary Flames. Probably would have been fired, but he resigned technically. Those like, you can't fire me. I quit. Yeah, Mike Babcock, who was fired for results from the Toronto Maple Leafs, but later it came out that there were some allegations of you know emotional abuse of players. So it's a very interesting time in hockey right now, just in terms of culture-wise for coaching. And I was really fascinated to hear uh, Gerard Glantz kind of comments about that this week. Um, he basically said, I want those guys, meaning his players in the locker room, to think of me like their teammate. Like, I want them to think of me as I'm pulling for them, I'm pushing for them, I want us to be the best team possible, but I'm on their side. And I thought, kind of given the light of the culture of hockey right now, that was really interesting, Dave. The other things that, you know, he said that kind of stuck out to me was that comment about you're coaching against, you're not coaching against your players. You know, you're coaching, coaching with your players. And I think that's something that we've always heard from Jarg Glantz players. This, you know, even from, I mean, I remember talking to Alexander Barkov a couple of years ago at an all-star game about, about Jarg Glant in Florida and just kind of, you know, what made him a coach that everybody seemed to be so loyal to. Like you haven't heard anything ever, anybody ever say anything bad about Jarg Glantz. Like, even in Columbus when he got fired and when, you know, like, everybody loves him. Every, players love him. They love his honesty. They love the fact that they know where they stand with him. And, yeah, there's probably an F-bomb or 12 in there, you know, and maybe a few other not-safe-for-work words and things like that, you know. And, and that's part of him. That's a little of his personality, you know. But players like the way that he coaches them it's different it's different style it's not mike babcock i'm going to play head games with you it's not you know i i remember like the 80s and things mike keenan iron mike keenan you know you know your team was struggling i uh, you go hire mike keenan and you come in and whip everybody into shape and probably do you know a week worth of bag skates and and all this kind of stuff and you know it's changed and that players don't respond to that anymore and i don't want to you know, do an okay boomer thing and sound like the old guy, you know, but it's a different, 
it's a different generation in that sense. And, and what players now are used to being coached and what's acceptable and, and, you know, kind of us as a culture, what's acceptable. It's, it's shifted, you know, I'm not going to say for the better or for the worse or whatever, because I don't want to, you know, get into any sort of, you know, conversations like that. But the reality is it's shifted. No, I definitely agree uh, as the, you know, young millennial in the room. Um, no, it's interesting to hear Jorglant talk about some of that stuff throughout kind of his tenure here. Like in terms of bag skates, he's like, what do those accomplish? Like those are the old kind of hockey punishment of you have a bad game. Your coach is going to make you do uh, when I was playing, you thought he was Herbie's. Uh, for those of you who don't know, just watch the movie Miracle. And it's just that a bunch of times. It's basically just a bunch of skating. He's like, yeah, I'm going to tire my guys out like a couple days before the game. Like, what does that really accomplish? Like, I think his players all respect that he treats them like adults and that he's willing to kind of, you know, forgive mistakes. He doesn't hold something over your head. As Alex Tuck told me last year, he will yell at you for like a couple minutes straight and then he will just turn right around and then just crack a joke with you. Like he will get it out of his system and he will move on. And I think players kind of respond to that, Adam. Just being being around the team, I think you you get an understanding of how they feel about him and and how uh, that interaction kind of works. And you know, I, I think Glenn hasn't really necessarily all the time showed that you know that lighthearted side uh, to a lot of people, but you see it occasionally here and there. And I think you see it more when he's interacting with his players, and they just they just like him. And it doesn't mean always being their friend, as you guys were kind of alluding to. I mean, it's more just, hey, when you mess up, you're going to know that you messed up and you're going to know why you messed up and what you did wrong. And you're going to be expected to fix it, but it's going to be kind of on you. And it's not going to be him, you know, standing over you every single second of every single day, screaming and yelling and um, and, and, and treating you poorly. So I, I think you just you, you just understand the relationship that uh, players have. And, and as Dave said, you just you see like nobody has even after, uh, you know, a, a bad interaction necessarily, nobody has bad things to say. Uh, about him and, and their their dealings with him because they just they understand uh, what they did and what they have to do to get better and and that it's expected to be on them and I think you know players kind of respond to that. No, definitely, and uh, make sure to check out Dave's going to have a piece kind of addressing a lot of this stuff later today, Wednesday, in the Review Journal. So check that out. Uh, one last bit of news we definitely have to get to when it comes to the Golden Knights is uh, they've made a. Call up recently, Cody Glass got injured in the Sunday game against the Rangers. He took an elbow to the back of the head. They haven't really announced a timeline for him yet, the Golden Knights, but it is an upper body injury. So to fill his spot in the lineup, they've called on old friend Valentin Zikov from the American Hockey League. Zikov, for those of you who don't remember, was suspended 20 games earlier this year for violating the NHL and NHLPA's performance-enhancing substances policy. Uh, the Knights backed the bus over him. When that happened, George McPhee said, this is a black and white situation. He knowingly took substances without our knowledge or consent. He's been taking supplements for four years. We don't agree with it. And Zikoff released a statement that said, I don't know how this happened. Zikoff, when we asked him on Tuesday about it, said, I still don't know how it happened. And when we asked him why he doesn't know how it happened while George McPhee has called it black and white, he said he just wants to move forward and play hockey. Uh, Zikov never the mo more loquacious type, <laughs> and so you certainly we were not expecting to get a lot of answers out of him. But I mean, David is certainly interesting that that is the guy they went with, the guy who recently was suspended and then you know wasn't that great before suspension, as opposed to some of their other options in the AHL. 
Yeah, I guess that's where they have them, you know, in terms of organizational rankings and things like that. I, I don't know how else to look at it, really, other than, you know, what did Brandon Peary do to, yeah. you know, get buried or, or I mean, I guess you put him on the third line. So, like, you know, originally I thought Zikov was going to play in the fourth line. Like, why wouldn't you bring up Curtis McKenzie, who's played well? Um, it just seems like there's some options. There's some other things that the optics – don't look as bad, but they're clearly committed to giving him another chance. And I'm not going to say second chance. I'm going to say another chance because he's on about his fourth chance, really. Like, this isn't his second chance, you know, which like I'd kind of like to make clear in a lot of regard. Like, a lot of this stuff is, is I mean, whether he deserves it or not and, and whatever. Like, he got caught. He did something. He tested positive. He cheated. Served his time. Now, if you deserve, you know, if you feel like he deserves to come back, you know, okay, you know that that you're certainly entitled to that, you know, opinion as a, as a fan or you know whomever, I guess, or as George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, you know, I mean, personally, like I I don't, if I'm a fan, I don't like the optics of it. If I'm Brandon Peary and I'm Brandon Peary's agent, I'm pretty ticked that you chose the guy who got caught, you know. Cheating basically over, over me who has gone down, played well in the minors, you know, or somebody else, whoever it might be down there. Nicholas Wah, another option, right? You know, they over Nicholas Wah, they chose Valentin Zikov. He's a big, strong so, kid, Dave. He's an NHL player. Yeah, wonder how he got big and strong. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it is. It just jumps out to me that every time you ask Gallant about about him, he says big, strong kid. It's almost like he's trolling at this point. It's it's very it's very uh, very noticeable to me because it's just his standard answer about Zikov, and and it it, it is it, it is a very interesting decision to make. Uh, and you're right, the optics seem horrible uh, to me. But I mean, at the same time, it could also be maybe they are considering like what is our future with him, and maybe it's it's an audition process at this point of. Let's let's see if we do want to, you know, if if he's going to contribute at you know a level that we need, or if it's like okay, I mean, we don't need him around anymore. I, I don't know. I mean, what he's a restricted free agent. He's an RFA uh, after this season. Brandon Peary, they of course signed to a two-year contract right. this summer, so they have Peary for sure under contract for at least another season. Nicholas Waugh, also an RFA after this season, but you would expect that they would re-sign him at a probably low cap number. Uh, worth pointing out, the Zikov does have the lowest cap number of the three of them. He's making, I believe, six seventy-five k. Nicholas Wall is making seven twenty. Brandon Peary is making seven seventy-five k. So none of these are, you know, extravagant cap hits compared to the rest of the NHL. They're extravagant to me, yeah. uh, but <laughs> nice. uh, I never made it past, you know, Bantam hockey, so I can't really complain about what how these many, guys are making. How many dining room tables could you have for that? Oh, that so amount many. Of money? That's <laughs> great. I love my dining room table. Yeah, you know. it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and, and that could be that could be part of it too of of kind of managing like, hey, it's a little bit less uh, if he's if he's on the roster. It's it, we've seen them massage the cap a little bit in terms of uh, you know the average that, that's, that's on the roster at any particular time. So who knows? But I I think you're right when you when you look around. I'm sure the other players that are that are in the mix right there are looking around thinking, well. Maybe I'd start cutting corners and try to get <laughs> try to get to the league if that's what it takes. Uh, I mean, you're not actually doing it, but that that thought is like if you're not going to be punished for it from the organization, and the organization seems to believe he did it knowingly and intentionally, then you know what what is the 
you know, what's the ramifications beyond just the, the NHL uh, penalty? So it, it's it's an interesting decision to make. It's an interesting message to send. But at the same time, he's, he served his penalty. So he has every right to be in the league and, and going along and playing his right. career. And that's what Jargonant basically said. Yeah. Like, guys get suspended all the time. You know, First they of all, serve, well, which, all the which, time. Right. I was going to say. For 20, not for 20 games. No. Right. And not for this. This is, you know, like that, I, I will say in opposition to what Galant said like he has to realize that this is a different situation that I believe it's, it's eight players have been suspended under the policy that Zikov was suspended under or it was it's, it's seven players there's been eight total suspensions because one player got popped twice since the new CBA was ratified in 2012 and 2013 two of those seven players by the and, way are right. Golden Knights and, and, and I, was, I was actually going to say like yeah in fairness compared to the rest of the league Golden Knights players do get suspended all the time yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that, that's the bottom line I mean, right at now at some point I haven't I, I didn't go through like the play by play but there had to be a shift last night where they were both on the ice at the same time right yeah where you had Nate yeah Schmidt I thought they almost they almost got a and, got a two on one together which would have <laughs> been great wow that would have been great <laughs> yeah it's a very strong strong line there <laughs> big strong guys yeah but I, it just it looks terrible. It just looks terrible, you know. And I don't want. I'm not gonna like make it out from a f- fan. It's just it's a bad look. I don't understand. Like just if I'm gonna step away, you know, in, in the way that they defended Nate Schmidt, and then you're just gonna now like, you know, basically say, oh well, you know, Zikov, okay, we'll just give him another chance. I, it's just for for an organization that has made it a policy and they are so adamant about we do not want to take on other teams problems. They've that's basically been told to me. That's you know, that's an issue that they don't they don't want other teams problems. They look at that in trades, waivers for you know, and yet they're willing to go to the hilt for Valentin Zikoff and I'm still puzzled by it. It's certainly an interesting I guess narrative shift compared to you know, their inaugural season where the whole kind of mantra of the team was, and it still is, but like, hey, we have 23 captains. We built this expansion team with character guys who are going to work hard, be selfless, you know, be willing to sacrifice for the team concept rather than like worry about individual stats. And as I know, you've got Zekov just hanging out on your third line left wing, playing with, you know, Paul Stasny, one of your more highly paid forwards. He was on a line with uh, Stasny and Alex Tuck last night. So you're putting a lot of talent uh, would, to play with Valentin I was going to say, it's almost like a reward for him. You know, oh, by the way, we'll bring you up and you get to play with, you know, basically our hottest player, Alex Tuck, and, you know, essentially our number two center. Here you go, Valentin. Run yep. with it. Definitely interesting. We'll have to see what happens to Valentin Zikov in the next week in the coming games for the Golden Knights. Like I said, they're going to play the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues on Thursday. Then they will travel uh, for the second leg of a back-to-back against the Dallas Stars on Friday. Both should be really good games. I'll be at both of them. I'm really interested to see what happens. So make sure to check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com. Once again, we want to thank STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos for being the sponsor of this podcast. Also, thank you to Harry's Razors for presenting this podcast. Make sure you find us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Rate, subscribe, review, all the things that you normally do with podcasts. We really appreciate it. It totally helps us out. I'm Ben Goats. He's Dave Shane. The other guy across from me is Adam Hill. Thanks so much for listening to the Golden Edge. We'll talk to you again real soon.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.